This episode is a total game changer. We'll look at a universal challenge, challenging people and challenging relationships, and see how to reframe it, finding the opportunity to live ideals of growth and service. I'm Sharif Yunus with Dr. Kevin Majors. This is The Golden Hour. Lots of questions that we've gotten over the past week. Lots of exciting stuff coming too. Um, so, Kevin, what's been new with you? Any new ideas you've been well, thinking about? I've been working a lot on with well, as you know, Shreve, because I'm working with you on this book, okay. uh, Optimal Work: An Introduction to the Science and Virtue of Work. Okay. So, but I think it's going to be a fantastic introduction to all these ideas. Yeah. Uh, so we are uh, looking forward to to getting that. Um, oh, I think when I don't know, when do you think we'll have that b- book out? Um, I'd say like maybe a, a week from now or so. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but mo- the text is all written. So. Yeah. Yeah. So what uh, have, do you have new insights as you're writing? Was there anything new that came up that okay, this is of special importance, or any totally new ideas? Well, writing it with you and Rashad, um, so Rashad Bader is uh, the, our third author on that. It was great just seeing what are the ideas that strike people as super yeah. powerful or super interesting. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that was highlighted uh, was the importance of this fact that when you feel an emotion deliberately, it mm-hmm. sends a message received signal back to your amygdala so they can stop giving you the signal. So it's a crucial little idea you get from neuroscience but but like the emotions are there basically just to tell us something and they tell us by giving us the feeling of the emotion typically we feel it in front of our chest if we do that then as you feel it deliberately it's it tells the generator hey okay i got the message and then the emotion starts to go down so one thing that means is that if the emotions keep increasing is because you're not paying attention to them like right. a child or something that's complaining or that, you know, you have to like, listen, give it your whole attention for just a moment saying, I got the message mm-hmm. and then it can run its course. So it was cool seeing that that was like, uh, you know, that, that is such a big idea and ties together so much of the practice of what do you do when you have a strong emotion yeah. to the, the neuroscience of it and how it works with, you know, we don't get into this in the book, but how it works with your, your vagal nerve and putting it there and taking it back and, but it's, it's cool stuff. I don't know. Did you, anything strike you new? Yeah, you... I mean, related to that negative emotions, just the idea that um, when things are kind of most difficult internally, like if I'm dreading something, say giving a talk or dreading a particular type of work, um, and when it feels most difficult, that's actually when I have when I have the most opportunity for training myself to grow in that area or start yeah. that type of work so it's kind of so you're focusing on the the alarm to, like you have to be open to the alarm right um but that there's two very similar ideas yeah it's also like okay so if you're if you're fighting a particular emotion say uh anger okay mm-hmm. so you might think that like changing your character so you're no longer such an angry person would take place i don't know when you're all calm and thinking about it oh and then you work things out and i'm no longer an angry person 
But no, it actually, all the shaping occurs mm -hmm. when your anger is triggered. So the flash of anger, and when you're feeling it very strongly, that's actually yeah. when you're malleable. That's when you're shapeable. And so right. it's when the emotion is very strongly triggered that you actually then let your ideals guide you. And instead of reinforcing the emotional triggering by acting on it, like venting or breaking things, you instead just try to then shape your behavior the way you want it to be. So mm -hmm. acting on your ideals while the emotions are very intensely firing, that's the sweet spot of change. Mm -hmm. So like that, because, you know, the emotions make us, in a sense, warm and soft and malleable. Yeah. So in the, which I think actually you were the one who put that in. That so analogy. Uh, that analogy. Yeah. Uh, but that, yeah. Uh, but that, that's what the, I think that's a great point. That's where our emotions make us shapeable. And so most people think like when they have a strong negative emotion that they've already failed, mm -hmm. but that's actually where you win is while the emotion yeah. is there. Yeah. Is there now, can you go into the neuroscience a little bit? I mean, that's because that's part of that's in the amygdala, um, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's yeah. uh, that the, this, the more the amygdala perceives a threat, the stronger the alarm it sends. Yep. And yes, then part the, of it. the more the label gets reassigned as it watches. I would say there's another fact, though, which is that your amygdala is part of what's called the paleocortex. So it is different than your upper neocortex in that it has one less cell layer and it doesn't have language. So it's the thing that basically is behind the emotional triggerings you have, mm -hmm. but it doesn't have language, which means you can't reason with it. Mm -hmm. And it means like just talking things out isn't going to shape your amygdala's responses. Mm -hmm. So, but while it's triggering the emotion very powerfully, yeah. Then it is watching your response. So the sign you have that your amygdala is ready to be shaped is that it's actually giving you a very strong emotion right now. Mm -hmm. You just need the self-possession or the patience with the triggering of the emotion to actually do the shaping. Right. And then it's able to learn from your behavior. So the amygdala only learns from behavior. It doesn't learn from words. Okay. So your emotions have to respond to behavior. And so eventually the way you want to feel like feeling right, it, it comes after um, acting right. Mm -hmm. And now when you say it doesn't respond to words, that includes like thoughts. Like, so you can't just think yourself yep. into, into a better yep. state. You actually have to yep. interact yourself with your what, what thinking can do is thinking can help you to reframe. So you can think of how is this an opportunity for me to practice something? You can think in advance of when my emotion gets strongly triggered, how do I most want to respond? Yeah. So you can kind of be planning. Actually, this relates to some of the questions we got. Maybe that first question okay. we could go to. You want to do that first? Okay. So I'm dealing with fewer people more frequently. I'm on quarantine with several, several other people in my house. Three of them are insufferable characters. They hijack mm -hmm. conversations, aggressively contradict people who are just sharing information, and mm -hmm. they complain. I'm not anxious of getting COVID-19. That mm -hmm. virus cannot hold a candle to the virulence of my house. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty intense. All right. So this okay. is, yeah, so you can kind of see that there's, uh, uh, so I don't know, Shreve, what would you make of this situation the person finds themselves in? Is that like a bad situation for them? Um well yes 
I yeah, it's trying. Okay. Yeah, it's very tough. Yeah. Um, yeah. And but at the same time, I mean, I think if other people like, well, so first of all, obviously you can see that there's like a unique opportunity there for like when it's difficult and tough, then mm-hmm. that's like you for you to be patient. I mean, and selfless in that situation is actually more valuable because I think the reason why, I mean, if, if you're around annoying people, they're not, I mean, yeah. Part of the reason why they're being annoying, right. Is because they're, so if you would, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So if you were to ask yourself, like, would my life, would I be like, would I do more good in the world and would I be happier? if I were more kind and merciful and patient, and if I were able to like bring out the good and difficult people, mm-hmm. like, is, is it a great skill to have you know, to be able to see the good in everyone? And to, instead of getting focused on people's negative sides, which everyone has, you know, to learn yeah. to really appreciate and be grateful for the good things in people. Okay. Now in the whole of life, that would be a wonderful way of living. Like if you could be like that. Well, what better practice to get to that point than having quarantine with very difficult people? <laughs> right? The quarantine is not going to go on forever. It's this is this is a limited situation. You know, and so but it is uh by giving you more chances to practice, it's giving you an opportunity for real mastery. Mm-hmm. And that kind of mastery. So is actually how you become more deeply wise. But wisdom is mastery in being loving. And it means that you know in every situation how, what's the most loving way to respond. And that's what real wisdom is. And there is no greater good than that. So an opportunity to obtain the very greatest good, you know, is a wonderful thing. Right? Even though, yes, it, there is going to be discomfort. But discomfort is just the sign that there's growth there waiting to happen. So it's uncomfortable because there's growth there waiting to happen. Right? And that growth ultimately is, is a growth in a kind of wisdom. So I think that the danger is in the moment of the testing, okay, like while the emotions are getting triggered, which will happen. And that's, that is no problem because, okay, imagine you're with these, this person. They're complaining again. They're being insufferable. Yeah. What are the emotions you would feel? Like I would, I would want to say something back. Yeah. So you might want to like teach them a lesson. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so teaching them a lesson—that's what anger is always trying to do. Hmm. Anger is like the didactic emotion. It (laughs) always wants to teach a lesson to people. It's like I just want to be a teacher. I just want to teach. It's like so. It seems like it's doing good. Yeah. You actually, if you try to teach the lesson in that moment, you should never try to teach while you're angry because you're just venting the anger by doing that, which means you're going to get more angry next time. Mm-hmm. So the best thing is to smile at the anger, to welcome it, yeah. right? To, to let it be there and to do no teaching, right? you know, in, in, in that very moment. Don't try to make a point. Don't try to let them see how wrong they are. Is but there- instead... What's are that? you like doing the exact thing that you're upset with? What do you mean? Well, if you're getting angry at someone for uh, complaining or yeah, 
criticizing interiorly, right? Yeah, it very well could be that you're, in fact, in a kind of dance. And that's what often happens. That it's going back and forth, you know, and people are pushing each other's buttons back and forth because they're each trying to teach each other a lesson going back and forth. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's what has to be um, guarded against. That, you know, when you're angry, don't teach a lesson. Instead, try to act in a way that would likely bring out the best in the other person. Mm-hmm. So you can agree with them and then see what's on their mind, see the challenges they're facing and help them in a subtle way, you know, uh, to reframe those challenges. Yeah, That would be the, the key, though, is like, uh, how do you in that moment where you're feeling like teaching them a lesson instead how do you just get closer build the bond show them interest show them kind of be merciful so and and find a way to so that they feel like we're all on the same page together so that'll make it easier for them to handle the the difficulties mm-hmm. and if people went through you know the, the you know the these these struggles and they just kept trying to build bonds, leave teaching lessons for the future. For right now, just be closer to people. Just be more entirely positive. Just focus on the good in them. Now is not the time to be correcting and, you know, changing people. Mm-hmm. So I would say that's one thing that, um, but there's another thing that we were, when we were writing this stuff in the Optimal book on feeling overwhelmed. I don't know, maybe, would that be good to talk about? Yeah, so... This que- okay. So the question I the next question, moving on, the question I have is is uh, decision paralysis and decision fatigue. That one. Mm-hmm. Yep. I have been overwhelmed. By yeah, it's also um, yeah. So actually, that's... exactly. Yeah. Okay. Good. We can maybe segue the uh, but the idea I, I was just thinking about is. Um, Okay, when you're, when, you're, when when a person's overwhelmed, um, that's an issue with how they're relating to the challenge they're facing, right? And if you feel like the people that you're living with or the amount of work you have to do is overwhelming you, that's a sign that you're experiencing the challenge as if it's coming from outside of you. Mm-hmm. So the, the locus of the challenge is external to you. And so you're being challenged by all these people or by all this work. Okay, that's the problem. Okay, the problem is not how much challenge there is in your life or the flavor of the challenge. The problem is entirely the location of the challenge. Mm. It's coming from outside of you. And so you're just being like a passively re- receiving this challenge. Yeah. Okay. The opposite of that is when you are actively challenging yourself. Okay. And the moment you flip it around so that you actively stretch yourself deliberately in some way, in that very moment, you stop feeling overwhelmed because the location of the challenge has flipped. And now you are challenging yourself. And so there's a freedom there. And you'll have a freedom for how you challenge yourself. There'll be different ways of challenging yourself. But you have to locate the challenge within yourself. Mm-hmm. Now, I think a big problem people have with other people in their life is that they, like, when there's problems, they only think of how that person can change. Mm-hmm. Like, they're giving all the opportunity for growth to the other person. Mm-hmm. 
it's much better for them to own the opportunity for growth. Yeah. And so that there was also the idea of um, wanting to control, like controlling external situations or people. Yeah, that we exactly. had talked about. So, yeah, we, so if you're trying to control, mm-hmm. yeah, go ahead. Yeah, if you're trying to control like external situations or other people, it's like you're thinking they have to change. And then, in some way, the is that related to the idea of the challenge being outside of you because you're wanting to control the external situation or if you're overwhelmed with work you want the stuff outside of you all the tasks or the 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 work that you have to do to like just disappear and go away that's your ultimate goal is you want to change control the external situation exactly Um, i think one of the things that reframing like getting really good at reframing which is you know seeing the opportunity for growth for yourself in a particular situation Mm-hmm. One of the things that frees us from is the need to control things. Because mm-hmm. when people have more of a fixed mindset and they just see themselves as I don't know, having certain capacity, like I have this, I have this much capacity, then they're always making sure they don't get overwhelmed by trying to control everything around them. So like, you know, who I'm with, I have to control and how long I'm with them or what kind of how many projects are on my plate. But it's yeah. always like so that they don't get exceeded. Mm-hmm. But that is, is seeing themselves in some way as fixed. But the better we are at reframing, the more we can then see, okay, this is <clears throat> giving me an opportunity to grow in some way. And so rather than me needing to change it, I can change. So how do I need to change here? How can I grow through this? Mm-hmm. Maybe that's all and very it, abstract. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty concrete for me. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because... Uh, because what is control except a kind of safety strategy? People do it just to feel safe so that they don't get exceeded in some way. Right. But the more a person feels that he or she is growing and they're learning how to challenge themselves, they feel like there's a kind of momentum that they don't worry about controlling everything, controlling other people. Mm-hmm. And then you, you mentioned that even at the height of re- the height of reframing is gratitude. Yeah, which is a shortcut. You know, like if you have difficult work to do or difficult people to live with, to think, how can I be grateful for them and the opportunities they're giving me? So, and already, so gratitude makes you flip it around deliberately, you know, that you're like, okay, it, it, it forces you to rethink. I don't know, if, even if something, you know, you had something that was painful uh, or very uncomfortable and you could ask yourself, okay, how can I be grateful for this? Mm-hmm. I think that question, how can I be grateful for this, is probably like one of the surest paths to, one, getting really skilled at reframing, uh, and two, to being very wise. That you'll mm-hmm. start to see, okay, this is actually the best thing for me. And almost always, you take the thing that's most, dare I say always, you take the thing that's most painful going on in your life right now and become grateful for it you'll see it's exactly the kind of growth that you most need. So you actually can be most grateful for it once you learn how to reframe it. Hmm. And is that easy to do? I mean, you make it sound easy. Just take the thing that's most difficult and be grateful for it. But it's... So if it were difficult and that difficulty were, was somehow painful, 
mm-hmm. then you would be, you can at least be grateful that you are growing maximally at that point. Mm-hmm. So the harder it is to do, the more you are growing by doing it. And so the better it is. So right. you can actually be more grateful for it. So the easier it gets to do, it's, it's become second nature. Then it becomes, you get more skilled at it and it becomes more meaningful and becomes more a part of who you are. Uh, so actually those first moments where it's hard are golden moments in your life, mm-hmm. you know, cause that's what it's like to get on the right path and to persevere on it and get through the initial growing stages. So I would say if you're, if you're pursuing something like gratitude and love and it's really hard, then you are really on the right path and it's precisely what you need. And it's not a moment to wait. Beautiful. Right. Should we that's twenty. Should we end on that note? Yeah, let's end on that note. This okay. Be, so, let us know if you have any other questions. If you're watching yeah. this, um, we are eager to uh, see. What we try to do is see also what are like the themes that are showing up in questions. And so we might highlight one question, um, but it's and also if you have any just experiences on reframing, on using gratitude, send us those too. We love hearing stories. Uh, from people yeah. uh, like trying to use these ideas. So that'd be yeah. awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks so much for watching. See you uh, next Monday at 10. Well, thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to check out optimwork.com for a set of online tools to help you engage challenge in your life. See you next week.